0: of our faith. We're going to be thinking for just a moment or two about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. And again, the theme taking ownership of our faith. It's very important for us to make the faith our own. I think about the words of Paul when he wrote to Timothy. And he talked about the genuine faith that dwelt first in his grandmother Lois, and then in his mother, Eunice, and then he said, And I am persuaded is in you also. So, what we want to do is make sure that we own our faith, that it is our faith and not somebody else's. So, I want to begin by first of all calling attention today to the price of the believer. Listen again to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. I want to begin by talking about the fact that our redemption involved what I would call unparalleled passion. You think about the tremendous love of God the Father. The words of Jesus in John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When Paul wrote to the saints in Rome he said God commends his own love toward us in that While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then, of course, in 1 John chapter 4. Here it is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And so to step back and to think about the fact that God, the Father, genuinely loves us. And so this unparalleled passion. We think about the love of God the Father and then the love of God the Son. Do you remember Jesus said, greater love has no one than this? Than a man lay down his life for his friends? You think about the tremendous love that Jesus had in going to the cross on our behalf. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 that Jesus tasted death for every man. The Lord Jesus would never have done that had he not loved us immensely. And so we talk about our redemption involves unparalleled passion. But then also, our redemption involves unprecedented, listen if you would, an unprecedented price. Paul said, you were bought with a price. In other words, there is a price tag attached to your soul. How much would you value the life of your child? I would imagine that all of us, when it comes to our children, putting a price tag on them would be unimaginable. We can't fathom how much they're worth to us. And so you think about this unprecedented price. I remember many years ago, a friend of my cousin's was killed, was killed on foreign soil protecting the freedoms that we value in this country. How much was that soul worth? How much was his life worth to his family? I can tell you there's no price tag that can be placed upon that fellow's head. And you, thought, you think about somebody who's willing to pay the price to preserve the freedom that we enjoy and then compare that to the freedom that we enjoy in Christ and the unprecedented price that was paid for us. Could I suggest to you that when we talk about this unprecedented price, that it involved the precious blood of Jesus. First Peter chapter 1 Peter said that we have been redeemed not with corruptible things but he said with incorruptible with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. God was willing to allow his son to die for our sins and you think about the cost of that blood. It cost him his son. Paul said That God spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. And then I think about that purifying blood. The fact that the blood of Jesus has the ability to purify the souls of the human family. Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 1 that we have purified our souls through obeying the truth. So when we come to Christ to know that our sins can be forgiven... To step back and to recognize that there is a tremendous price attached to our soul. That's how much God loved us. And so Paul said, look, you were bought at a price. Your salvation has not come cheaply. But rather God went to great lengths to save each and every one of us. Now there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. We think about the price of the believer. But what about the possessor of the believer? Well, listen again to what Paul said. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Now listen to him. He said, and you are not your own. A couple of things here. First, think with me that you have been called by God. We've all been called by God, haven't we? God calls us through the gospel of Christ. It is a message of great power. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. When Paul wrote to the saints in Corinth, he said, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, he said, it is the power of God. So here's a message that has the ability to penetrate the hearts and lives of people. The Hebrew writer said that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word has the ability to penetrate the heart, to bring about a changed life, doesn't it? So we've been called by God. And the message that calls us is a message of power. It's also a message of pardon. What's so special about the gospel of Christ? Well, it is a message... That invites us to come to Christ with the advantage of knowing that all of our sins are washed away. Think about those people on Pentecost Day. Some of those people had been present when the Lord Jesus Christ had died on Calvary. They saw the Son of God lifted high. Some of those people who were present on Pentecost might have been at the foot of the cross. Some may have hurled insults into the face of God's only Son. And so when they became convicted of sin in their life, they asked the question, what shall we do? And Peter said, here's what you do. You repent, and then you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. The Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul spent 18 months in the city of Corinth preaching and teaching Christ you know anything at all about the church at Corinth, you know that it was made up of people that had, as we might say, a very rogue background. I mean, here were people that were involved in idolatry, some whose lives were skewed by immorality, and he would say in a very blunt and forceful way, do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, covetous. And then he went on to say drunkards and revilers and extortioners. And such were some of you. But he said, you were washed. They enjoyed the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. God sent his son to die for their sins and for ours. So here were people that had come out of a life of sin. And they enjoyed pardon. Their lives had been affected by the gospel of Christ. They had changed their lives. They were now, as Paul would say, a new creation in Christ Jesus. They were completely different people. And so it was a message. A power. A message of pardon and then a message of peace. A message that brings peace to shattered lives, to hurting people, to individuals whose lives have been literally destroyed by sin. You think about, as a child of God, how we enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. Paul would write to the saints in Rome, in Romans chapter 5, And say, those of us who have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's something to be said about being a child of God. To enjoy not just pardon from sin, but peace. When Jesus was born, do you remember that angelic host that cried out, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward man? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 that Jesus, when he came, preached peace. Isaiah identified him as the prince of peace. So, we have been called by God. They had been called by God. Now, not only have we been called by God, but the Bible tells us we have been claimed by God. And by that I simply mean what God is saying is, look, I own you. I bought you, and you're mine. So listen again to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? One of the real challenges of becoming a child of God is allowing God to take ownership of our life. It's very difficult to relinquish the reins, isn't it? To say, okay, God, you're in control. You're in the pilot seat. You're the one who's going to lead my life. Now, we talk about being owned by God. We talk about the fact that God has not only called us, but he has claimed us. Well, with regard to claiming us, two things here. The first is, He bought us. We were bought by God. And because we were bought by God, we belong to God. Now, I want you to listen again to what Paul says. He said, you were bought at a price. And you are not your own. The Lord Jesus Christ bought you with His blood. I mentioned just a moment ago, how much our children mean to us and their intrinsic worth the price the price that is attached to them and then you begin to step back and comprehend the fact that God willingly sent his son to die for you and for me willingly shed The blood of his son so that we might enjoy eternal life. So Paul's saying, look, you were bought at a price. And because God has bought you, you are not your own. Now go back to the book of Exodus for a minute with me. In Exodus chapter 13, after instituting the Passover... God instructed the children of Israel to consecrate or to sanctify unto him the firstborn. He said, whatever opens the womb, whether man or animal, he said, it is mine. In other words, it belongs to me. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, the writer addresses the general assembly and church, listen to him, of the firstborn. What the writer is saying is, look, as a child of God, as somebody who's obeyed the gospel, you belong to the Lord. He owns you. He bought you with a price, and because He has bought you, you belong to Him. Sometimes we're not willing, as I said a moment ago, to relinquish control. We're not willing to allow God to take the reins In our lives. And so. That presents a great problem. It's a great challenge. And yet. Paul in a very concise way is saying. You need to understand something. You need to know that God has called you. And he has claimed you. You are mine. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. Now I want you to think with me very quickly. In the third place about the purpose of the believer. Now, listen again in the context. Paul said, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God? He said, You're not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, in light of the fact that you were bought at a price, you belong to God, here's what you're supposed to do. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So let's just talk for a minute about this consecration of a believer. What does it mean to be consecrated, to be sanctified? It means to be set apart. Do you remember what God said about the firstborn under that old covenant? Sanctify, set apart, consecrate to me the firstborn. Why? Because it's mine. Okay, as a child of God, God has bought us, we've been bought, and we belong to him. And so in light of that, we have to make sure that we sanctify ourselves, or rather we have to make sure that we consecrate our lives to the Lord. Could I suggest to you today that it is a consecration of the head? In other words, we're giving our life to the Lord, aren't we? And you think about consecrating our head to the Lord. That involves what we see and what we say. Did Jesus not say in John chapter 4, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white unto harvest? Did Jesus not say in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations? So what is it you see as a believer? Do you see the lost? Do you see people who are hurting and dying in sin and they need the saving message of the gospel? Have you consecrated your head to the Lord? Have you said to the Lord, look, I'm willing to use my life to your glory. So it involves the head, but then also it is a consecration process. Of the heart. And really that has to do with what we feel. And what's our focus. Now listen if you would to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. Soul and mind. He said this is the first and great commandment. So by way of what we feel. We're to have affection for the Lord. We're to love him with every ounce of being, of our being. He's to get the best of our love. So we ask the question, how much do we love the Lord? How much do you love him? We consecrate our head to the Lord. We consecrate our heart. That is what we feel. But what about our focus? What's our focus? Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What about Colossians chapter 3, verse 4? Where Paul speaks of Christ, who is our life. Let me ask you three questions very quickly. Three questions as they relate to our study today. Number one, do you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Do you love him above any and everything in this world? Yes or no? It's a yes or no question. You either do or you don't. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Yes or no? Second question, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are you seeking first, that means before anything else? That means he is to be preeminent in your life. That in all things he might have the preeminence, as Paul said in Colossians 1, 18. Are you putting him first? I mean, absolutely number one in your life. Yes or no? Yes or no? Is he first? Look, if he's not first, then really doesn't matter where he stacks up, does it? So number one, do you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind? Yes or no? Number two, are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Yes or no? Number three, Paul said, when Christ, who is our life, third question, is Jesus your life? I mean, is he your everything? Is he the focal point, the hub of your life? In other words, everything is revolving around him. Is that your life? Is that a summation of your life? That when you talk about your life in Christ, what you're saying is, look, he is my everything he gets the best of my life 24/7 think about paul for a minute paul practiced what he preached didn't he do you remember in philippians chapter 1 verse 21 when paul said for to me to live is christ you know what he was saying if you want to know what my life is about it's about jesus it's about christ he is He is everything to me. If I live in the flesh, it's all about Christ. Could you say that? Would you say that Jesus is the focal point of your life? Yes or no? Paul said it was the focal point of his life. So he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Three questions. How'd you do? Do you love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Yes or no? Is he first in your life, yes or no? Is he the focal point of your life, yes or no? I can't make it any plainer. I mean, either he is or he isn't. Either you understand your relationship to the Lord or you don't. It is an either or. You're either in or you're out. You see, the problem sometimes with those of us who are members of the church. We understand the Lord bought us. And we talk about the tremendous price paid for our salvation. The problem is not that we don't understand the cost of our salvation. The problem is we don't understand the cost, that is, what it cost us. We've been bought by the Lord, but we haven't bought in, if you know what I'm saying. We've yet to buy in. We haven't bought in from day one. Somebody says, well, how do you know that? By how we live. So I ask you, have you bought in? Is the Lord number one in your life? So we talk about this consecration. Consecration of the head, consecration of the heart, and consecration of our hands. Solomon said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Is Christianity not a religion of service, of servanthood? Yes, it is. It's not about being served. It's about serving others. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. When the apostle Paul wrote, Letters to the various churches, and you can read about it in your New Testament. Notice how often he began by introducing himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Until we understand that we have been called by God and claimed by God, and that where he is, that we are his servants, then the problem will always be in the practice, not the profession. So, the consecration of the believer and the glorification. Paul said, you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What's my purpose? Why do I exist? The Bible says that as a child of God, we exist for the purpose of bringing God glory. God is glorified in the church. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 3, verse 21. So you think about when you're out here engaging in the works of the church. You're talking to people about Jesus. You're trying to help people who are hungry or those who maybe have suffered some type of financial reversal. And you're trying to minister to them, to serve them. What are you doing? You're doing those things in the name of Christ to bring him glory Jesus said that we're to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our father which is in heaven so our consecration to God and then our glorification of God in other words everything that we do in life is to be done to the honor and glory to almighty God It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? So you think about taking ownership of your faith. And by that I simply mean, look, we're saying our faith is real. It's genuine. There's something to it. We understand our relationship to God. We understand who we are and whose we are. And we're doing everything within our power to live in such a way so that we bring honor and glory to Almighty God. Because that's who we are. That's what we're supposed to do. So what about you? Where are you in your spiritual journey? I'll close by asking you this question. Are you a believer in name only? Are you a believer in name only? Or are you a believer indeed? In other words, it's evident. I mean, there's no denying who you are. There's no denying whose you are. There's no denying what you're about. Is that you? I hope so. You see, our goal is to go to heaven, isn't it? And in going to heaven, we want to do our best to take others with us. So the only way that can be accomplished is if we understand who we are and whose we are. So today, if you're not a Christian, look, we don't want you to do anything that they didn't do in the first century. They put their faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God. They recognized him to be the great I Am, John chapter 8. Not only did they put their faith and trust in Jesus, but they willingly repented or turned from a life of sin. The Bible says they acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, Acts chapter 8, verse 37. They were immersed in water so that all their sins could be washed away, Acts twenty-two sixteen. 16. They became members of the body of Christ. They enjoyed intimate fellowship with the Lord and with his people. So my question is, have you done that? It might be that you're here today, and you understand that for whatever reason, you haven't taken ownership of your faith. So what you want to do is rededicate your life to the Lord. You want to say, you know what, I'm in this thing 110%. So if you're here today and maybe you need the prayers of the church, you want us to pray with you and for you, look, we'd be happy to do that. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We'd be happy to do that for you. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love